Cynic Empowerment. Welcome, everyone. This is Cynic Empowerment. My name is Jimmy Horn. And I'm Tim Carpenter. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, Jimmy, we're going to talk about space exploration. Oh, uh, this, yeah. This is one of those complex topics. So as always, or as is frequent lately, we will offer the disclaimer. We are not experts. Nope. There is a lot of complicated stuff in on this topic that uh, we are, are not experts on, uh, that we have only just skimmed the surface of research for. So anything that you hear from this, don't bet your, your doctoral candidacy on it. Right. So with that being said, I think it's best if we just jump right in. Let's do it. So, of course, uh, the space exploration in the United States and around the world, of course, we're going to be focusing on a little bit more of a Western point of view here. Absolutely. Has a, a long and complicated history. I want to touch on a few of the important segments of that continuum, but also focus on more particular aspects of our current uh, Space Exploration Administration, okay. uh, in particular uh, Mars. Mars. Right. Uh, Mars seems to be uh, the, uh, I, I don't know, the, the golden calf. Yeah, uh, the obsession. Exploration. Very interesting, very intriguing. Uh, and at least in comparison to the moon, is a lot more intellectually stimulating when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll get to that uh, a little bit later. So why space exploration, Jimmy? Like, why do you think that people would even start to question something like wanting to you know, develop uh, some type of way in which we can discover more about uh, the universe around us. Well, I think something that is unique to humans as uh, individuals as opposed to other animals is I feel like humans are explorers, right? Like humans like, we fear the unknown, but at the same time we want to we want to go out there and figure out what it's all about. That's what brought people unbeknownst to what they would find in the Americas across the sea on boats. They had no idea what life was going to be like over here. They didn't have the internet or any knowledge, but people went anyways, because that's just the way human beings are, just going out into the ocean blue and seeing what they would find. And so I, I feel like we've, we've more or less scoured the entire earth with the human populace and so now the only place we have left is is space. Right. Uh, people want to go where they haven't been. <laughs> As uh, Patrick Stewart would say, the final frontier. Absolutely. Uh, Patrick Stewart, was he some type of leader, some type of captain? He, uh, yes, he was, Tim. He was <laughs> the captain of the Starship Enterprise. Ah, Starship Enterprise, of course. Uh, long and storied history of uh, a sci-fi breeds into this as well yes uh, when when did he take over uh, uh after blah 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 he, they were basically i'm pretty sure it was like original star trek and then a star trek enterprise and then i think it was voyager and then i think it was deep space nine i could be wrong on that trekkies please don't <laughs> murder me please don't murder me but uh, yeah oh, and they changed the crew every time with each of those if uh you know after all of the contentious and terrible things that we have mentioned in our podcast thus far that ends up being the thing that receives the most hate oh, mail God. That'd be awful. Uh, we'd but, be done 
you know, that'd be it. <laughs> but I think what's really cool, I mean, I could have looked up this too. I didn't look it up, but like even the existence. So Tim and I are eventually going to talk about all the cool things that have come about because of us funding NASA. But even just Star Trek existing uh, inventions may have come out, maybe not necessarily because of Star Trek, uh, but maybe we're inspired by Star Trek because they had things that were basically uh, cell phones, right, that they used in Star Trek that later became technology. So people being able to see these things exist, even if it's in a fantasy, you know, sci-fi setting where it's not real, can inspire the hearts and minds of people. And then they're like, wow, wouldn't it be great if that existed? And so I don't know. Star Trek's great. Space is great. NASA's great. I, I love all of them. Oh, it absolutely is. So let's let's uh, let's start with the timeline, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, people have been interested in space for millennia. Uh, I think that you could go all the way oh, back yeah. to some ancient civilizations like the Mayans, right? Uh, who were well beyond their time uh, when it came to scientific research and determining certain lunar and, uh, you know, cosmic patterns. Mm-hmm. But to fast forward a little bit more to the modern day, uh, well, modern day, uh, roughly 120 years ago. Okay. Have you heard of the, the silent film, A Trip to the Moon? Is that the one where they basically take the ballistic missile and they like shoot it to the moon and it goes in the moon's eye or something? I don't know. It's like, is that yeah, like the cover for it? That's it. That's okay. the one. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's, it's not a particularly long uh, film, have but you watched I, it? I have seen it. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's entertaining. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, it was a uh, it was uh, made in 1902. Okay. Uh, by the French adventure film uh, director George Malise. Okay. His name, and of course, uh, you know, used inspiration from a variety of of different sources, uh, but it's. And to to draw, kind of draw a relationship between the two, science fiction and the human imagination has always played into uh, this kind of urge to go and search for these things. Mm-hmm. Like we were talking about uh, uh, Star Trek just a second ago. Right. Uh, I think the aspect of or the, the possibility of having something like uh, – a beam that can transport someone from the surface of a planet into a ship mm-hmm. uh, or having uh, an android that is able to uh, essentially look and talk and think exactly like a human being does. It's, it's those types of things that push us uh, to develop these space exploration programs to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for just a second, I want to read a, a snippet from John F. Kennedy's uh, very famous speech uh, in which he said on September 12, 1962, uh, on the Rice University football stadium, there is no strife, no prejudice, no national conflict in outer space as yet. Its hazards are hostile to us all. Its conquest deserves the best of all mankind, and its opportunity for a peaceful cooperation may never come again. But why some say the moon? Why choose this as our goal? And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? Why 35 years ago fly the Atlantic? Why does Rice play Texas? We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because the goal will serve to organize the best, excuse me, and to measure the best of our energies and skills, because that challenge is one that we are willing to accept, one we are willing to postpone, and one we intend to win. 
and the others too. Uh, so I think that is one of the better places to begin the timeline mm-hmm. right around the early 60s. Uh, the race to land on the moon. Uh, of course, prior to that, uh, you have uh, the Marsnik 1, which was launched by the USSR mm-hmm. on October the 10th, 1960. Unfortunately, it didn't reach orbit, uh, but was one of the first uh, one of the first tries, mm-hmm. <laughs> so to speak, in trying to send something out into space. Uh, on the first of uh, November, so Mars One, which was also launched by the USSR, mm-hmm. uh, flies uh, 65.9 million miles wow. before before the radio fails. That's so uh, far. So that's that's actually really far, uh, and who knows? Maybe that uh, crash landed somewhere. Uh, some kind of alien species found it, and they're looking it over like, "Oh, look at this primitive technology! How cute!" <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I have no idea. Uh, we should talk about the Fermi paradox later. So, oh, for sure. More to continue. Uh, on the 11th of November, 1964, we have uh, an important. Uh, United States launch. Uh, it's Mariner 4, successfully flies by Mars and takes 75 pictures. Mm-hmm. On the uh, 19th of May, 1971, uh, the USSR Mars 2, uh, it, uh, it almost makes it. Gets really close, but it burns up due to a little bit of a steep entry. So getting closer, almost there, on the 28th, uh, Mars 3, and it just sounds like the USSR is just like, just racing, you know, just like pushing us. Oh, yeah. Like, we we beat them to the moon, so like, we need to beat them to Mars. Absolutely, yeah. So they're they're just, they're chucking money at it. And in a lot of instances with the the lunar landing as well, uh, they had a lot more tries at these satellites, or at least a lot more notable tries than the United States actually did. It's just, you know, United Qu- States. Quality right. over quantity. That's right. That's a, that's a good way to look at it. Let's see. So um, Mars 3 lands and operates for 20 seconds before failing. That is uh, the 1971, the 28th of May. Uh, on the 30th of May in 1971, Mariner 9 orbits. Uh, all the way from the 13th of September, 1971, Mm -hmm. to the 27th of October, 1972, and returned 7,329 photos. So that's quite a development. So from 72 photos to like thousands of photos. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, six, seven, seven years. So in, in seven years' time, you get a difference of, you know, roughly uh, 72 hundred photos yeah so that's progress Definitely. that is that is uh, a measurable difference mm-hmm. and I think that's the most important thing you know speaking later on as to how we actually secure funding for these space programs that's the type of thing that you need to show right. the people funding these missions you know that there's a there is a noticeable measurable difference between the time that you started what their money is doing and the results that you ultimately get Definitely. Uh, so uh, a couple more of these. I don't want to bore everybody with the, the history of all of our exploration. I know, I know. Oh, gosh. Uh, let's see. So the uh, 20th of, looks like that is August, 1975, Viking 1 orbits and lands 
and remains operational until 1982. Is that a rover or is that just a satellite? Well, uh, I mean, technically uh, uh, a satellite could be a rover, right? I mean, a satellite is just something that you shoot into space, right? Or something that is that is orbiting. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mean like a, a rover as in like, does it land on the surface? Yeah. Yes. It lands and it drives around? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's operational on the surface. I, I don't know if it actually is mobile. Okay. Uh, but I would, I would probably assume in order to retrieve over 50,000 photos that it did, yeah. that probably have to move. Or maybe uh, it was like one of those Star Wars like robots where it has like a hatch on the top and it opens up and then a little metal stick comes out and has a little <laughs> like spyglass thing on it and just like looks around and it has like yes. a really quirky personality and then the little spyglass thing goes back inside the hatch when it's done taking oh. pictures. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Me, just me, to, me. Uh, so we have a lander, an aeroshell. Oh man, and these pictures are super sharp. I would encourage everybody out there to look at some of the the Viking one pictures uh, from the mid nineteen seventies. They are very clear. Uh, or I guess some of them are. Uh, you can see rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Also uh, carried the uh, a biology experiment, uh, which the purpose was to look for evidence of life. I think that's what most people are are interested in when it comes to space exploration, or at the very least, to find a habitable new landscape. Are you sure this is in Arizona? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, it might be. Well, we all know that the uh, the actual lunar mission was was all just a sham, just a. A Hollywood bogus stunt oh, yeah. in order to uh, to drum up some nationalistic support. <laughs> hollow. The moon is hollow. It's hollow when it's made of cheese. That's right. I've watched Wallace and Gromit. I know. I know the real story. Made of cheese. Delicious. So up until the and to finish it off, of course, we have a couple of modern day promises. When exactly are we going to get to these places? When exactly are we going to go back again? Twenty years uh, from now is usually what they say, and then twenty years, years happens, and then they're like, yeah. twenty years from now. It, it's it's always just pushing it off a little bit more. So if tomorrow is always the answer, then. You know, it sounds like we can relate that to our present circumstance, and we can always hope for something better, which continues to funnel money into these projects. Yeah. But if we can't ever get past these uh, scientific and mathematically difficult problems, then we're always going to be just a step away, just a little, just a little bit more. Uh, so, what's been promised recently? You know, one example in recent history from. Uh, our Vice President Mike Pence, in October 2017, uh, vowed to return to the moon. Uh, of course, we haven't had a whole lot of uh, progress in that direction. Lunar base. Uh, yeah, and much less so than a, a lot of private companies actually are out there, actually, like uh, SpaceX. SpaceX. Uh, Elon Musk's space venture, of course, has aspired for uh, many years now to build a uh, a functioning rocket that can be reused in order to mitigate some of the uh, extravagant expenses. Right, it's where most of the cost comes from. Oh yeah, very, very expensive. Uh, and promised to send 100 people to Mars in order to colonize it by 2022. <laughs> so that's right around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, talking about tomorrow, I mean, that is... That is that very is soon. Very, literally, that's a... You know, you you uh, high school freshman out there, 
if you guys keep it together, keep your grades up, uh, there's a possibility you could be on Mars by the time you graduate. <laughs> I thought you were gonna go a different way with that of like, oh, like you know, like the the dad that's like, I'll go and buy you an ice cream cone if you keep your grades up. Like, okay, kids, if you make oh. sure to make all A's, and uh, we're gonna send someone to Mars. It's gotta be good. You know? Supposedly for the price of a you know a modern day house, you know, like about two hundred thousand dollars, and uh, you can buy yourself a ticket to Mars. I would, I you would have to pay me that and then some to make me go to mars oh god can you just think like a bunch of just rich people that have two hundred thousand dollars to randomly blow on something like that yeah that'd be like the worst that's like the exact opposite of the kind of person you'd want to go to mars with yeah i'm thinking like just like a a collective group of people uh and then like you 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 really don't have any fat You, you can't you can't expect anybody not to be able to pull their weight and then some Oh yeah. Every extra person is there is going to require how many additional resources? Uh, and it's, it, not, it's not a glamorous lifestyle living on Mars. No, I I wouldn't bet, especially not for the first hundred people or so. You'd be working your ass off, and you'd always be just like dirty, nasty people. Well, I recently listened to a podcast called The Habitat, and uh, there's this place in Hawaii where they're trying to do research on like how people would live in like the tight quarters of. Uh, they're theorized um, moon, not moon base, but Mars base. And so they have this thing they call the habitat and then they okay. take uh, six people and they put them in there and they lock them in there for a year and they have to basically play pretend that they're living on Mars. And these are all like super athletic, super smart people that are just like, oh, my name's Borschka Norsch. I'm a, like a super smart scientist from <laughs> Eastern Europe. And, you know, and they got a lot of Americans too. And they, yeah, they just put them in this little tiny cramped space where you know you just take like your 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 bedroom, like take your college dorm room, and then cut that down by a third, and that's like their room. Like they have like a little tiny bed that they that's basically their entire room, and they're all eating freeze dried food because that's all you could put in space, and they have very little water because water is a very valuable resource. So yeah, and all you have is each other. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. And if you want to leave, you got to go out in your spacesuit. Yeah, if you think it's bad just spending too much time with your roommates, oh, yeah. imagine never being able to leave the same room. Yeah. Like just being stuck in this little, oh, God. Mm-hmm. That sounds terrible. It's like one of your roommates just chews a little bit too loud, and after a while you're thinking, if I could just remove his teeth. Well, one of them brought uh, a, a didgeridoo. For some reason I thought a didgeridoo oh. would be a fun thing to bring into a oh. tiny little space. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what kind of human being thinks that's a good idea? Like, let me, uh, like, while I'm stuck here for a year, let me work on my didgeridoo playing. That's pretty rough. Uh, I would much rather him have a didgeridoo than a kazoo, but hey, beggars can't be choosers, right? <laughs> I thought it was so funny. Just anyone. Anyways. But yeah, so it's a lot of work. It's very hard. It's very difficult. Um, it's not. Yeah. It's not easy. It's not glamorous. Yeah. Oh, I, I, that's that's a good segue into into uh, an important topic. You know, why hasn't these types of space explorations happened already? You know, what's what's preventing that from happening? And one of them, obviously, uh, physical restraints. Uh, people need food. People need water. People need shelter from the terrible, terrible things that can happen to you in space. Right. 
it's a pretty rough environment. Yeah. Uh, just to list a few of the things that could possibly happen or just, you know, just kind of setting the stage, right? Mm -hmm. If you are in the shade in space, then it is about negative 250 degrees. Jesus. So you freeze instantly. Just sky, it's so cold. Frozen. In the sunlight, so if you if you step out of the shade. <laughs> okay, so these are your two options. You got shade and you got sunlight. So on yeah. one side, we have negative 250. Is that Fahrenheit or Celsius? That is Fahrenheit. Okay, Fahrenheit. So and then the other side, you have... About uh, positive 250 Jesus, Fahrenheit. there's no middle ground. Flames. Uh, or, well, flames if, if there was oxygen. <laughs> if there was oxygen, which yeah, is not. Immediately fried. <laughs> Dead. Radiation kills you. Uh, or something to that degree. Don't quote us. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't understand space, but we're uh, trying. If you are not in a pressurized suit, it crushes your lungs. Oh. Immediately flattened. Oh. Right? Uh and just a, a myriad of terrible, terrible, terrible ways to die. Oh, gosh. I, I, I heard a couple of uh, rumors. It sounds more like just internet babble okay. that disease grows much faster on space stations uh, than it does on Earth. Wait, what grows uh, faster? Uh, a lot of bacteria. Okay. And, and, and uh, you know, dangerous uh, parasites, okay. uh, things that would possibly harm human beings. Uh, and it might have something to do with the sterile environment, but I don't know. It seems like they would take really good care, uh, like extremely good care of the cleanliness of a, uh, a space station or a satellite or, you know, whatever type of you know thing that they're using to get them to that place. Mm -hmm. It would take especially uh, pertinent care. Right. Uh, but anyways, but this, uh, yeah. be aware of that. So avoid shade, avoid sunlight, avoid going outside. Right. All of these things are there just to just destroy you. Yeah, just destroy you. Absolutely. Beyond this, uh, what are some things that you found, Jimmy? Why, why haven't we? Uh, I mean, the, there's the obvious, you know, funding, 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 funding. It's uh, astronomically expensive. So How expensive are we talking? I, I don't know the exact numbers, but astronomically expensive. Is, so, is think any any project we have done up until this point and then multiply that by a certain number and that's how expensive it would be just because it's so far yeah. away and you're you would have to send so many resources to keep these people alive for so long and yeah. it's 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 a lot the the drawback of a a new frontier is that you don't necessarily have all of, if you knew everything about whatever mission you were trying to complete then it would be easy to come up with a budget as in you just be like well yeah that costs that much that costs that much but then you have all of these unexpected variables that come yeah. into play once you're halfway through the mission or beginning the mission or what have you. Right. And then it just becomes, yeah, like like you said, it exponentially increases all the time. Um, so I'm actually looking at the Mars One website okay. uh, and they have a fact uh, in regards to finances and ultimately the feasibility of completing the project. Mm -hmm. Uh, and just to, to rattle some numbers off real quick, uh, estimates the cost of bringing the first four people to Mars at $6 billion. Jesus. So that's, that's obviously a very round number. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't even know what a billion dollars looks or feels like. 
<laughs> I I can't comprehend it. Yeah, that's true. Like after a million, I'm just like I don't know. Like I have no yeah. idea what I could do with that. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, and then they have okay, I love it. They they have a cost breakdown. So for all you economists out there, all you uh, oh, nice and accountants, you know, head over to the website. It's very interesting stuff. Current cost breakdown estimates are as follows. So we're talking about USD for all these, of course. Okay. Uh, $450 million for the first unmanned Mars lander mission. $425 million for the communication satellite. $900 million for the first rover mission. $2.3 million for all remaining outpost hardware supplies before the human mission even begins. $2.25 million for sending the first crew to Mars. $582 million for operations, including astronaut selection and training. $93 million for ground stations and other costs and $1.85 million per year for follow-up human missions. Wow. So if you want to add all that up, that's quite a bit of money. It is, yeah. It's a lot yeah. of cost. Yeah. Where does that cost come from? Uh, uh, taxpayers. You and I, my tax friend. And I mean, I guess if – I mean, Mars 1, that's a, that's a private project, correct? Or is that, uh, or is that the NASA project? Mars 1? I thought, let me, I thought that let one me was a my... private one. Let me get all of my information straight here. I am going to go straight to a very reliable source. Google? Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, yeah, I totally did all of this. Uh, I did all this research beforehand, guys. Definitely not absolutely. looking it up right now. We're absolutely not just looking up things in Google and then spouting them. That would be unprofessional. It, it is It is certainly a, a private organization. Okay, that's what I thought. Uh, a small, private Dutch organization in particular. What do the Dutch know about space? What have they ever done? But um, <laughs> So, yeah, so it's super expensive. So, I mean, that's obviously a barrier. And then also, I think people, I don't know. I know there's probably people that would go. I was going to say, like, well, people like the idea of going, but wouldn't actually go. But I think there's enough insane people on the planet earth like with the idea of us being explorers that we started this episode with i think there's enough people that want to be the first right they want to oh, yeah. go and explore and see the things and so yeah i think there's people that would do it so i think it's a lot mostly funding at this point honestly um there's enough crazies out there random question in regards to being the first yeah uh so of course we had that space race that right. we were discussing earlier in the episode uh why be the first why does it matter that you're there before anybody else. Bracking rights, my friend, it's just uh, so you can say you're better than everyone else. I mean, I think that's literally the only reason why we went to the moon. We saw that Russia was doing it. They were really close, and we're like, hell no, we're not going to let them be the first, and that was that was it. And I also think that's how they were able to get the funding and manage the whole trip in general is our egos. And I feel like in the 21st century, in the world now, there's there's just no existential threat to us for being the first to Mars. So there's not that little that little push in that direction to have us like get our shit together to make it happen. Unfortunately, like we had back in the 50s or 60s, whenever that was when we landed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, uh, 60s. 60s. Uh, oh my goodness. Yeah. It, well, why why fight? Gosh, we, we can accomplish so much more when we work together. Right? Well, exactly, which is really cool with the International Space Station, which I yes. think is super exciting because we have Russians on there, got Chinese on there, we got Americans on there. It's yep. such a cool endeavor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, in, in addition to just lending some of our uh, individual peoples to the space station, uh, a lot of the components – 
have actually been launched by Russian rockets. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, we as uh, members of the United States citizenship mm -hmm. uh, are benefiting from the fact that Russians are actually uh, supporting the endeavor, just like American shuttles are as well. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's that it's that cumulative uh, progress that we ultimately need in order to have this continuation. It's realization that space exploration does a lot of really cool stuff for us. So much cool stuff. And not even uh, things that are directly related to a space exploration or things that are going to, I guess, uh, be reminiscent of something we would expect to come from uh, space research. Mm -hmm. well, I, I would imagine that there are quite a few inventions, right? There are lots of inventions that we have directly uh, benefited from because of space. But I just want to make one last point about the International Space Station before we talk about these inventions. Yeah. So I think that if we're going to make true progress in space, we're going to have to have more projects like the International Space Station just because of things we talked about earlier, such as how astronomically expensive it is. So if we can it's... use combined resources on the planet Earth of multiple different cultures and different societies and countries all working together, I think it'll cut down the overall cost a lot and make us able to do some really cool shit. And yes. so I think that's part of what's so cool about the International Space Station. It shows that if we want to, despite all of our conflicts down on the ground, we can still do really cool shit in space as a community. So just wanted to, yeah. just wanted to say that. But cool inventions, uh, just to name a few. I know you've got a list as well, Tim, so I'm just going to – I don't want to steal all of these, but some really cool <laughs> shit – that we uh, have gotten because of it is things like camera phones. So we were able to develop that with the same technology we use to make uh, little tiny cameras in space to take pictures of all kinds of cool shit. We've gotten awesome things like scratch-resistant lenses, which is important because when you're in space, you don't have an optometrist or some other person to fix your glasses for you. So if you scratch the shit out of the glass on your ship or camera phone or whatever, there's no way you're going to be able to fix it. You're just going to be able to have really shitty scratched up vision so i think that's great as a glasses wearer i like having glasses that don't get scratched to shit and then really important things like cat scans which are very important in the medical field that were able to be developed by a lot of the different technologies that were used in space shuttles and other space activities so yeah yeah cool that shit it's a lot of cool shit i'm actually using two of the things right now portable computers and computer mouses there you uh, go were both discovered uh, through, well, computer mouse in particular was discovered through NASA research, uh, apparently trying to make computers more interactive, uh, which worked quite well. I probably used my mouse more than any other part of my computer in terms of trying to inter interact with it. Mm -hmm. uh, you also have uh, the, you know, the first portable laptops uh, being developed. Uh, through uh, Grid Compass, G-R-I-D, uh, and uh, the creation modifier had to be modified with new software developed. But that's, you know, that's kind of how uh, a lot of that kind of stuff works. Uh, they'll they'll have a, uh, a prototype, and then as it reaches commercial markets, uh, some things are catered more towards the average consumer. Artificial limbs are also something that, you know, a lot of. Uh, 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 the the functional dynamics of those limbs uh, are had been developed 
through uh, NASA innovations, mm -hmm. uh, shock absorption, uh, various materials, things like that. Uh, I had heard a rumor that we had Velcro because of uh, – I was <laughs> looking up that one specifically, and it, it said that it was a misnomer that NASA uh, invented it. Um, it was something – yeah, some other guy invented it. I don't know how people started claiming NASA was affiliated with it. But then again, maybe the source claiming that NASA didn't do it was wrong, so you never know. Wamp, wamp. <laughs> Uh, too bad. We, we need a soundboard. Uh, okay. There's still a, a, a myriad of different inventions oh, that yeah. have out because of this research. But I don't necessarily think that we can say that it's all just because it's it was space research. I think if you take enough resource mm -hmm. and you just pump it into a certain organization, especially if they have some intelligent, well-learned people, mm -hmm. you're eventually going to get some type of desirable effect. Monkeys and typewriters, right? Right. Like you, you just need to continually just pump resources, and but that's not that's not all the problem. Like we were talking earlier, you know, like what are some of the things that are preventing this from from happening, you know, immediately, or why it hasn't happened already? Money and resource is not necessarily the problem because math is hard, science is hard, mm -hmm. Mother Nature's a bitch, yep. you know, like you, you can't. Uh, you can't solve all the problems just by, or you can't solve all the problems immediately just by throwing money at it. That's true. You know, this is this is a process. It takes a lot of time. Not to mention, many people have lost their lives uh, because yeah. of uh, space administrations trying to push these things, may, perhaps too fast, maybe yeah. without the proper uh, safety controls right. behind these missions. Uh, and and sometimes it's just unforeseen circumstances. Like you don't necessarily know what some of these problems. If, if some of these problems are going to occur, unless you experience the problems, yep. which makes being an astronaut just sound that much scary. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um... Uh, in fact, uh, just to rattle off a, a couple more stats, uh, over 20 people have died mm -hmm. in these missions. Um, some of the more uh, well-known ones, uh, of course, you have the first Apollo mission mm -hmm. in which – Three people died. The entire crew of the Apollo One, yeah, um, and they they died uh, prior to takeoff. Mm -hmm. um, there was a, a a spark that caused a fire in the cabin, uh, and because of the fact that the cabin was filled with pure oxygen as part of its environmental controls, yeah. fire spread very quickly, uh, and they died. Uh, and you know the the United States, of course, have not had been the only country that have experienced fatalities right. uh and 1967 vladimir komarov died mm -hmm. uh and uh, part of the soviet space program uh on the se uh, 1971 georgi dobrovlovsky mm -hmm. viktor paitsev and vladislav Volkov. I think all three of those people are rolling in their graves right now. Be like, you signed my name wrong. Yeah, and it's like I'm trying to give you guys respect, and this is exactly what happens. <laughs> I, I am going to not say any more of the Russian names, but they are on this list. And there are a lot of people that have died. Of course, the uh, the one of the few missions that included people who were non uh, NASA or military personnel. Mm -hmm. Um, was the the Challenger's tenth mission, um, in which you know right after liftoff it exploded, yeah. um, and that was in 1986, uh, January 28th. 
So Krista McAuliffe was the name of the the teacher, of course, that um, uh, had had died. Which can you imagine, like being a, a student, you know, watching your teacher take off into space, and then just watching the the rocket explode? You know, that's uh, pretty awful. Certainly something to be sad about. Uh, and the most recent of which, uh, 2003, February 1st, uh, fatalities of Rick D. Husband, William McCool, Michael P. Anderson, David M. Brown, Kalpana Chalwa, Laurel B. Clark, and Ilan Raymond. Um, that would be Columbia. Mm-hmm. Uh, disintegrated as it re-entered Earth's atmosphere. Yeah. So, Yeah. That was a that was actually a problem that was caused during liftoff. There was a chunk of insulated foam that broke off from one of the external tanks and hit the orbiter's left wing, uh, and ultimately resulted in the spacecraft breaking apart, killing the seven-person crew. So yeah, uh, these types of things are usually touted as as or usually referenced as being uh, reasons why government organizations don't want to fund. Uh, these these projects, you know, that, that people are being reckless with with their spun their spending their taxpayers' dollars. Right. Um, so it, it certainly makes sense uh, considering how many people have lost their lives. Um, and beyond this, you know, like the there there are scientific advancements that we're still looking into, like uh, the whole equals mc squared thing. <laughs> like we we need. Oh, yeah. We need the rockets to go faster. Yeah. Uh, and there's a physical limitation on how quickly uh, we can push people into space. Right. And and this brings up an entirely different issue, an entirely different set of problems. There are some technologies out there that we are not utilizing because people are afraid that it's going to result in some other type of political issue. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, like the use of – I would encourage everybody to look this up too, so that I, you know, I'm probably going to mention a lot of things wrong on this. Uh, the NERVA program, nuclear engine for rocket vehicle application. Sounds scary. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, it's because they use nuclear energy in order to fuel propulsion. Oh god. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's it's totally effective. Uh, but Congress uh, nixed a lot of the funding for well, it. Not so. Not to play devil's advocate, but imagine if like oh, the Columbia had this on it, and then you had basically a nuclear bomb coming in through our atmosphere and exploding, mm-hmm. and then just throwing fallout everywhere. But anyways, please continue. Maybe that's not how oh. it would work, and maybe that's just like my unlearned brain trying mm-hmm. to make sense of it. Well, I don't, I don't understand uh, to the full ex- fullest extent how nuclear reactors work. Mm-hmm. Uh, or in, a, in the exact way they would provide propulsion for a rocket. Right. Um, and nor do I know what kind of fallout effect would occur if one of these was to explode mm-hmm. instead of your chemically f- fueled rockets, right. uh, which is what we're using by and large. But there always is this rhetoric uh, about nuclear power being ridiculously dangerous. And, you know, historical examples have shown that right. nuclear energy can be absolutely terrifying if a meltdown occurs. Chernobyl, Japan. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Those are a couple of, uh, you know, recent historical examples right offhand of nuclear energy going totally awry Mm -hmm. and then destroying the world around it. (laughs) Yeah. 
but it's super effective. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's super cost effective as well. Um, oh gosh, whatever. I, I I don't know enough about it to actually speak on it. I would encourage everybody to look into this though. Did, did it mention anything of just like can can rockets that are fueled by it go faster, or is it just that the fuel that it uses is just way more cheaper and efficient? Uh, well, first and foremost, it's lighter. Okay. Uh, so if if you're operating on this principle, uh, you know, the faster you go, the more energy you need, and of course, your your mass is going to determine, uh, you know, a lot of your resistance. Yeah. Or excuse me, your size is going to determine a lot of your resistance, and your mass is going to require more energy to move it, and yada yada yada. Right. If it produces more energy and if it is lighter, then it's going to go faster. Gotcha. So. I mean, I don't know to, to put it basically. <laughs> I mean, they're they're giving me like uh, they're 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 telling me how quickly things go in relation to uh, uh, measurements that I am unfamiliar with. Gotcha. So like we're talking about like kilonewtons mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and things like that, and I, I don't know anything about that. That's fair. That's fair. But like I've like I've said, please, please, please look into this. If anybody does. Uh, who is listening to this, this podcast, if anybody does know about this, please tell us yeah. uh, and and correct us on all of the things that we have said wrong, and we will include it in that mini-episode uh, that, that we're fabricating for sometime in the near future. Yes. So please, please, please do that. Um, yeah. So, bada-bing, bada-boom. Bada-bing, bada-boom. I, I really wish that uh, that we could actually have some type of opportunity to go up in space though i i, I asked you this earlier jimmy uh, off the podcast you wouldn't travel into space if uh, you were... um like if i was going to travel into space it would have to be some situation of like going to the international space station like something that it's like proven that we know works that uh-huh. it's just like there hasn't been that i know of any fatalities directly correlated <laughs> with it I'm just like, mm-hmm. okay, this, this seems like a pretty safe way to go into space, right? So I that, I, I would consider that. Um, would I go to Mars? Fuck no. Absolutely <laughs> not. Not interested. Well, uh, there is supposedly the research being done uh, in order to make Mars more habitable without the use of, uh, you know, like environmental bubble things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh Supposedly, if you take a couple of uh, bombs <laughs> oh. and you put them, put them at the poles and you set them off, then you could possibly trigger some type of melting uh, that would, you know, produce water that is underneath the surface of Mars, uh, and maybe I don't know, spontaneously generate some kind of atmosphere, and then you could have like weird genetically modified plants. But that may be legitimate science, and I don't want to get too political, but I feel like that sounds like a very American way to solve a problem. Oh, how can we make uh, Mars habitable? Oh, let's just drop some bombs on it. Yeah, that's how we've solved all our problems in the past. Just drop some bombs on it. Oh, God. Wouldn't that be something? You you end up dropping a bomb on it, and like something weird about mars's atmosphere right. and it's like ends up poisonous death cloud right starts wafting over to earth like oh gosh no, that would... we fucked up somehow yeah. like throws it off its orbit and it just starts like tumbling through 
they have a series. Oh, and it would be disastrous. Yeah. yeah. Not that not that any of that would happen because I don't understand space science. So what I probably said sounds really stupid to anyone that knows anything about this stuff. But well, and I don't know how to play pool. So as soon as that one knocks into the other one, the other one's gonna like bounce off in a weird right. other direction. Yes. And- it's going to explode into the sun and we're all going to die or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. But also speaking of E equals MC squared moving faster through the universe, yada, 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 yada. I, yeah. uh, I think that's one of the things that also bums me out about uh, space is just our limitations. Like we haven't been able to get humans to Mars, right? Like the farthest we've gotten people is to the moon that I'm aware yeah. of. And so True. like, just think, and we're just one solar system. Just think about all the other solar systems that are out there that with our physical, puny, biological uh, limitations that we're never going to be able to go to, at least within our lifetimes, that are just basically completely and utterly off limits to the human experience because of our puny limitations. And that, make, that, that makes me sad. Yeah, because even moving like at this at like the speed of light, like it would take us hundreds, if not thousands of years to get to a lot of these places. Yeah, um, not to mention, like, uh, if anybody's seen uh, some of the uh, very interesting movies out there lately, like Interstellar, uh, in which you travel outside of you know, the known universe into some type of weird time loop mm-hmm. that causes you not to age, but then everybody back on earth is like aging at you know, the normal rate. Right. So all of your loved ones die or, or all of them grow up and, and you miss it. Yep. You know, it's super sad. Super sad. Uh, not to ruin the movie there. Uh, spoiler, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. But it's after the fact. So it's not a spoiler alert. Yeah. Anymore. You just like, ruined the movie for a bunch of people without warning them. Shit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. Oh, gosh. Uh, well, the moon is uh, 238,900 miles away. Yeah. So uh, that is the the longest distance away from Earth that human beings have traveled at the moment. Mm-hmm. So in order to go farther than that, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that the, you know, more funding, more science, blah, 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 would be needed. Uh, in order to travel at light speed... Gosh, I mean, like, why would you really want to, though? Like, what? It, of course, it is a human limitation, but yeah. it's like, what if I'm sad that I can't fit five billiard balls in my mouth? Speaking about pool again, uh, I mean, that's not really something to be sad about, right? I, I, I think it's only sad in the sense of like, it's not an option for us to go and visit other yeah. solar systems. Like, it's that sad. Like, not, not the being able to move that fast in itself, but just like. That's like the only conceivable way I can think of being able to visit these other places. And yeah. we can't we can't do it because we have these puny meat sack bodies. I don't want to have like one of those like weird shower thoughts or anything, but what if we just downloaded our consciousness to some type of I don't know, server <laughs> and we just sent the server off into space? May I or- mean maybe that's a whole nother that's another bag of worms. <laughs> so, or instead of like, instead of trying to like rush and find all of the answers to, to life's problems, you just figure out how to make life last indefinitely. And then you have all the time in the world. And you have all the time in the world. We'll, we'll create some, uh, some uh, self-propulsion device that, yeah. you know, doesn't 
spend any energy to move and we'll just <laughs> launch it out into space with somehow with some kind of human beings that won't die and let them let them figure stuff out so elon musk in particular has recommended methane uh, as a fuel source Farting? Uh, for these types of exploits. Exactly. A fart machine. A fart machine. We will propel ourselves through the galaxy <laughs> with our flagellants. Wait, is that enough? Is there enough energy in farts to do that? Like... Uh, there's enough energy in mine. <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> High five. Yeah, yeah, got him. <laughs> so, okay. I don't know. I don't, once again, I don't know the research. Like, on paper, it sounds really dumb, but, I mean, maybe it's a great idea. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just wanted to make a fart joke. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but did he actually say that? Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to, Okay. Yep. Oh. Yeah. That's oh, well, that's I fun. mean, methane is – if we could convert methane into some type of usable energy source, then that would solve a lot of Earth's problems. Well, you know, there's actually uh, – I think farms in India – I could be wrong. Somewhere – Maybe even the United States, where they're basically got like these giant trash bags that they're putting all their cow farts into to try to <laughs> use it as like energy on the farms that the cows are being produced on. Uh, so, it, I mean, people are doing it. It's a thing. Yeah. I just don't know how many farts happen in space to propel a machine. But I mean, everything in space, you got to try to reuse it, right? Because you don't have any resources in space to reuse. So apparently. Even the lab mice's pee that they take in, you know, in space when they're testing lab mice to see the effects that space have, that pee from the mice gets refiltered and the astronauts drink it. Like, they use uh, everything. Jeez. Everything. Uh, I bet that was a big selling point for a lot of those astronauts. They're like, oh, fuck yeah, I've always wanted an excuse to drink rat pee. Yay, rat pee. <laughs> so, all right, Tim, well, what... We've talked about a lot of different subjects. We've covered a lot of ground. Uh, oh, do you want to talk about aliens before we wrap things up? Aliens, the Fermi Paradox, right? Aliens. So to sum this up in layman's terms, uh, the Fermi Paradox is this, this weird situation that we humans find ourselves in. The universe is so large. So large. Uh, and I, I can't. It's so, so large. <laughs> I can't emphasize that enough. Uh, that it is improbable that we human beings have not yet found any other intelligent life in the universe. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a, a paradox that just simply based on the numbers, it would seem like there would be some something or somebody else out there. Mm -hmm. but there's not. At least not, a, not as of yet. Perhaps they're in hiding. Perhaps they recognize us as being some type of primitive species – uh, too dangerous to commiserate with just yet. Well, it's like uh, there's some analogy. Maybe it was Neil deGrasse Tyson, or maybe it was Neil deGrasse Tyson quoting someone else. It's like, is the worm on the sidewalk aware that you, the human being, is like walking over it, right? Yeah. Like maybe we're just so minute, it's mm -hmm. so not evolved or smart as we think we are that we, yeah. we're not even like aware that they're there. Yeah, what if we're just part of a, a simple alien experiment in order to produce methane? Like, what if we are art machines? <laughs> that's, maybe that's why they're obsessed with probing human beings. They're not really just probing them. They're sucking out their farts. Yeah, or they, you know, like, testing it. Like, oh, yeah, that one's got some pungent farts. We're taking that one. 
every person that claims to have been abducted and probed by aliens probably has really nasty farts. Yeah, that's it. That's like the one thing that's consistent throughout all of them. Yep. Intense. Yep. High methane farts. I think that's probably the case. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It's always like some kind of like random farmer guy, right? Usually. Like, Not always, but yeah. Somebody that's living way out in the middle of nowhere, and he gets beamed up with a couple of his cows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, cows, because cows produce a lot of farts. That makes sense. Maybe it is it. Maybe you've stumbled onto something, Tim. Aha! You need to hop onto some of those forums on the internet and start That'd spouting your knowledge. Yeah, about a, about a hundred years from now, they're going to reference this as being the point. It's like, oh yes, uh, uh, Tim Carpenter and Jimmy Horn uh, actually uh, just fell upon this discovery, one of the most important in the history of. Our known universe. <laughs> right. Yep. Aliens want cow farts. Boom. Boom. And a story. Not, mm-hmm. not as exciting as we would have liked. Uh, since we're <laughs> on the talk of aliens, do you do you believe aliens have visited Earth, Tim? Do you? Well, I mean, we do have the pyramids, right? I don't know. Oh, God. I... <laughs> not ancient aliens. I don't know. Uh, I mean, that would be really cool. Uh, I'm sure. Okay, I'll, I'll suffice it to say, I think there are some things uh, about our universe that uh, our government or some type of intelligible body is aware of uh, that is purposefully being held from us, mm-hmm. um, just because we're cynical, right? I'm I'm a cynical person. Mm-hmm. I think that people are. Uh, going to try to pull the wool over my eyes about something or another. Yeah. So why not aliens too? Why not aliens too? I think it makes, it makes sense. Uh, I mean, and if we're operating off of Fermi's paradox, then it's likely. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. They, they probably plopped down a couple of times and been like, Hey, how y'all doing? And then they're like, Hey, can we like take you into this lab and cut you up and stuff? And they're like, no, that's not cool. That's not cool. I'm not going to come back for a while. Like you can tell people about us, but you know, just just keep it keep it civil. And they're like, no, we don't want to do that. Yeah. Something something dumb. I'm always split about the government like having like secret occult knowledge about aliens and other things because one part of me like really believes that like yeah like you know if they knew it would it would create chaos if people if like us lowly laymen knew oh. about it so they would keep that from us. But then the other side, I'm like the government can't even pave the fucking roads. Like how are they like? <laughs> holding secret amazing knowledge if they can't even keep the fucking roads paved so i'm always torn well they're they're too busy spending their money on on more important ventures like ensuring that they have uh slave boys or something like that right you know uh i don't i don't know man I, I don't i mean i guess if if the conditions of our roads are evidence that our government doesn't have it together yeah, I, I guess maybe maybe we haven't actually had any contact with aliens. Mm-hmm. How sad and boring. Right. Wah, wah. Wah, if wah. any of you out there have, uh, and I, I know I've, I've probably said this a million times over the course of our, our podcast history, no, uh, if any of you uh, have had personal experience with aliens, uh, with aliens we, we want to know. <laughs> I want to know. Please message us, inform us, and we will include that. <laughs> In one of our upcoming episodes. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, well, I, I think it's about time to wrap it up. Yes. Is there uh, anything that you're sad about, Jimmy? Um, 
Per- oh, before we before we get into that, we need to find a silver lining, man. A silver lining? I mean, I think we this is probably one of our most uplifting episodes. <laughs> but I'm gonna be honest, like when you yeah. compare it to like dogs getting butchered and mm. people dying of preventable illness yes. and other stuff, like talking about our lack of space exploration. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think we've already discovered, talked a lot about good things, you know, highlighting the inventions that have come through NASA, the cool pictures we have of space. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the camaraderie that we've developed with, uh, you know, over the international spectrum yep. in order to develop something like the International Space Station, yep. you know, that sort of thing. So this one's uh, several of course. Yeah. The, the hardiness and will that human beings have yep. in order to always try to discover something more out of that final, final frontier. Absolutely. Even though it's very dangerous, as we highlighted earlier in the episode, there's still a lot yeah. of brave people that are willing to risk it all to go and seek it out, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, good for y'all. Right. Good for y'all. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so yeah. Sadness, Jimmy. Are you sad about anything, man? Nah, dude. I I really can't. Life life is going well for me right now, so I can't. I I can't. I got Good. nothing. It's absolutely excellent. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not doing too bad myself. So I guess that's uh that wraps it up for for this episode. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, where can they find us, Jimmy? All right. So if you uh, you know, have been probed by aliens, or if you know a lot more about this space stuff than we do and want to correct us, please, please, please email us at mm-hmm. cynicempowerment at gmail.com or like us on Facebook and you can send us a message through there. And that is the same name as the show, Cynic Empowerment. And it's just on Facebook. You search that, you like us. Uh, mm-hmm. We got some cool art that Tim drew up and that's that's our logo on our brand so make sure to find us there and yeah. and uh, just to riff off something tim said earlier we really want to do a uh, a listener uh, response episode where we mm-hmm. take uh, some of the responses that we've already gotten that are too long for us to include in the episode and yep. so uh, we are highly encouraging everyone and anyone listening to us to send us uh, a response so that we, we can have uh, a dialogue with you all and mm-hmm. do a deep dive because, unfortunately, we don't have time to deep dive into all the ones we've gotten. But we need a few more to make an episode out of it. So please, please, please Dude. send us an email. And we love the feedback, much like uh, a lot of those astronauts that have ventured out into space. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we like to always stay in communication. Mm-hmm. We, we always want to make sure that people are, are hearing what we're saying and that y'all are actually getting something out of it. Yep. So let us know. I, I mean, it's it's probably doing us more of a favor than it's doing y'all, right. but we would really appreciate it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, everybody, uh, keep your head up, and we'll catch you next time. Yeah. Catch you next time, everybody. The bee. Woo! <laughs>